Welcome to the Revolution. Welcome to Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV, Twitter, Facebook. Yes, we are here. Um, we're trying out a new format today. It's going to be even more official next week where we're splitting our two hours of Inform Life Radio into two distinct themed hours with two different streams. So hopefully if you're watching the first hour, you found us again here doing what we're going to be calling the Liberty Hour. Um, hoping Javier is going to join us. We kind of lost him between uh, streams. So hopefully he'll be popping back in. Um, I'll tell you as usual that the views expressed are not necessarily those of CHD uh, or Informed Choice Washington or KKNW, our wonderful free speech platform radio station. Um, we're just here to uh, give you information and have a great dialogue so that you can do more research and make informed decisions in your life. We're here to give you the missing information. Although, you know, I got to say, it's, it's so exciting. There's so much great quality information out there now podcasts, CHD TV, all the ICANN, high wire stuff. Um, just, it, it's just, it's fabulous. There's just so much out there and it's beginning to break into like dandelions pushing up through the concrete, break into mainstream as well. So I just encourage everybody to keep the faith, stay strong, stay kind, keep grace in your heart, we're going to win this. We're going to win this through truth and peace and love, right? I want some people to go to jail. Yes, indeed, I do. But we will not win this with anger. Um, we will not win this with hatred of the other. We have to uh, just continue to educate. Um, and we're going to get through this. Um, so let's see. I was going to talk a little bit about, uh, okay, so the second hour of the show uh, is going to be the, what we call the Liberty Hour. So the first hour, the health hour, we're going to be focused on health and wellness solutions. So, you, you know, we're hoping to bring you all kinds of information so that you can choose that new path, that new paradigm of health that's growing, where you really know how to take charge of your health and your children's health, know about the immune system and all the wonderful treatment protocols that exist and lifestyle choices so that you can live a happy, healthy, and as much as possible, pharma-free life. Yes, I do support a pharma-free life. Um, and, uh, oh, you know what? Let's go ahead and bring on. I see Javier Figueroa is back. Hello, Javier. <laughs> I thought maybe we lost you. <laughs> Just getting new, used to the new format. Yeah, me, me too. We'll, we'll probably have some bumps in the road, but, you know, our listeners are so awesome. They've been very forgiving of me. I'm not a perfect person, as they well know if they've been following me for, <laughs> what, three years now? <laughs> um, and so – and. So I was just explaining, you know, the health hour, and then now here will be this liberty hour. And so in this hour of the show, we're going to be focused on 
litigation, legislation, policy, and solutions, right? We're still going to try to keep that upbeat. But what can we do in the first hour? How can we take control of our health? In the second hour, how do we take control of the health system? There you go. You know, um, and get some justice and get some reform. So that's what we're all about uh, in this hour today. So there'll be different changes coming on, a couple of cool logos I've been working with, um, some different theme music for for one of the hours. Um, But this hour, Javier, I can't believe I didn't know this man before, know his book, but his name is Sean Needham, and he wrote a book called how the government ruined healthcare and how to fix it. And get this, it came out in 2019, (laughs) just before COVID, this man. So I want to read to you, this is on the book page and describes, it's his voice, but I want to read this and then pull him on because this just moved me. This is what it says. And it's him speaking. For as long as I live, my wife, Janet, and I will never forget that day a pivotal moment in our career as compounding pharmacists that forever changed everything. Back in 2001, a morbidly obese patient came into our pharmacy. She was on around 20 different medications, ranging from high blood pressure to diabetes to high cholesterol, and they were costing her nothing. We were creating no value in her life. She didn't care who we were. She didn't care about the medications. She didn't care about how they worked or anything related because it was costing her nothing. We were part of the problem, regardless of economic policy or what's learned in pharmacy school. Janet and I decided to change our commitment and thus our system. And with that, I want to welcome to this show, Sean Needham, compounding pharmacist. I mean, I'm just going to applaud you. Woo! I mean, that must have been such a moment. I just, where you just like, you remind me of Dr. Zach Bush, who had this aha moment too. And he went, he left traditional medicine and cancer research and stepped into the side of what is real health and wellness. Exactly. And, you know, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. It's, it's, it's quite the honor. So I appreciate getting to meet you guys and being your show. And I, just with your introduction, Bernadette, um, you talk about your first hour, you talk about health solutions. Well, we just happen to have a podcast that my wife and I run that's called Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. And um, one thing we talk about is we discuss everything healthcare. And that podcast also came out in 2019, right before COVID. So I don't believe oh. in coincidences at all. Wow. Um, wow. So we had a powerful voice already when COVID came out. So um, it, it, you Look know, at that. Same with my book. A podcast came out in 2009, in October 19, my book in December 19. So, um, and and my wife and I, we'd been thinking about the system for a while and didn't feel that what was going on was appropriate. We've been questioning some drugs. And, and just to let you know, we are two pharmacists that do not believe in drugs to treat most long-term disease. And that is a powerful, powerful statement. Um, and, and we want to use that, you know, to educate, and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. That's really what we want to do. That's why I wrote a book about it. That's why we have a podcast. And um, we really feel that we, our purpose is to really educate people about that. Um, and, and it's definitely our passion. We absolutely love what we do. So 
you know, at our pharmacy, we focus more on health and wellness, um, diet, exercise, um, sleep. And then, of course, we, we do compound a lot of things to help people get healthy, which include a lot of hormone replacement. Well, this is really astounding to me. So in my world experience, the only thing that I thought pharmacists did was dispense drugs. Or, you know, maybe ask you, have you ever taken this before? Let me explain, you know, the things you're not supposed to eat. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, are you unusual in the world of pharmacy? Do other pharmacists do this? Well, there's, I will say this, COVID has brought more of us out of the woodwork. That's for sure. And we've got to network with some amazing pharmacists all over the nation. In fact, I'm I'm in Las Vegas now and I'm meeting with one tonight after this meeting um, for dinner. Um, but no, we're, we're, we're rare. And, and, and here's what I say, how most pharmacists are trained. And, and this is what most pharmacists do. Um, they're, co- you know, if they, if they work in the traditional retail setting, they're copay collectors for insurance companies and dispensers of poisons for big pharma. I said it, I, I just said, wow. it. Okay. wow. And, and yes, that's a powerful statement, but it's true. And big pharma and insurance companies are in collusion to rip off the United States people, period. Um, And the federal government's involved with the FDA. Um, As RFK Jr. says, there's agency capture. I mean, the federal government, the FDA is just an arm of big pharma. I mean, seriously. Absolutely. Right. And big pharma would never be as big as it is without the FDA's stamp of approval. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got their, their feet in it. And, you know, a lot of people can't figure out why insurance companies don't back help real health policies. You'd think they'd pay out less. But I, I came to the realization that big in, uh, insurance only exists because that's the only way big pharma and big medicine can exist. Because who the heck is going to pay $1,000 for this prescription or $20,000 for a, a day at the hospital? You have to have the insurance. They all work in collusion together. Yep. Yeah. And, and the federal government allows it. And let's remember this, that 80% of all health care is paid for by some government agency, whether it be federal or whether it be state. So Medicare, Medicaid, Veterans Administration, um, I mean, the list goes on, you know, um, mm-hmm. government employees, whatever. And I'm going to even go further. Since Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, Traditional insurance, traditional health insurance, Premier Blue Cross, United Healthcare, the BUCAs, they call them. They are so heavily regulated by the federal government. They literally are government insurance. They're told what to pay for at what price. And it mostly follows federal government guidelines from CMS or Medicare. So mm-hmm. if you are in the system on tradi- either government insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, or even traditional, I've got good private insurance. It's government insurance. Because it's controlled by the government, period. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Just amazing. And it's just, like you said, it's government that's controlling all of this at this point. There is no such thing as an open market for for drugs or medical services. But there is. And that's why I wrote a book. Well, there you go. Yeah. There we go. Educate and empower individuals to, to get out of the system. And, 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 and in chapter six of my book, there's a six step solution. And I'll just start that. I'll start that. I start that chapter with a quote from myself. It says this, the best health insurance we have is not some kind of policy we can buy. It's how we take care of ourselves. Mm. Period. 
That's Amen. the best health insurance. Yeah. And we have been snookered by the federal government and the media to think that if we don't have some health insurance that, you know, we're, we're going to die in the street or something, you know, but that is absolutely not the case. So the first thing is, is we need to educate people to take charge of their own health so they don't need to go to the system. Right. And you know, or need, especially for chronic medication or chronic diseases. Let's face it, 85% of all chronic disease is lifestyle related. Let, let's go down the list. Diabetes, type 2 diabetes, lifestyle related, you know, reflux, um, gastrointestinal problems, um, hypertension, high cholesterol. Those are probably the top selling medications or diseases that we treat in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. All are reversible by changing your lifestyle period. Mm-hmm. And, and there are doctors and there are pharmacists that are haters of me and say I'm crazy and you can't reverse diabetes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. And, and no, yeah. we're not taught that. And no big pharma does not want us to think that. And and does the American Diabetes Association want us to think that? Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> and, you know, I remember years ago, I used to work at a grocery store and I always ran the natural food store or section of the store, that sort of thing. And so people were always telling me their health stories. I was, I've been into this for a long time. And I remember somebody who was a wine vendor telling me that type two diabetes was reversible. So this was like 25 years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, really, you gotta be kidding. And so they brought me a book, you know, on, on how to do it. He says, it's all, it's all diet and lifestyle. And yeah, I mean, it's taken a long time. And now we've got um, Dr. Paul Merrick of the FLCCC. Mm-hmm. He has completely changed his diet and he's thrown away his medications and, you know, and no longer needs his type 2 diabetes medications. And yeah, it's it's exciting what can be done. But the profit model, right? This is the thing that prevents really rapid change is the profit, the infrastructure um, and how businesses, um, what, do, what do you call that? The business model for a pharmacy, for for medical office is really, you have to keep people basically sick to survive. Poss- possibly, but but I'm a, I'm a free market guy. I'm a free market solution guy. I believe in free markets totally. I'm a capitalist, but I really am. I've got nothing wrong with profits. Here's what I've got a problem with. I've got a problem with not informing patients of options. So informed consent, Ah. essentially. Yes. Okay, well, you've got diabetes. You've got to take this drug. No, you've got diabetes. You've got to, you know, change your lifestyle. you got to, you know, put down the fork. you got to start exercising. you got to eat less carbs. Okay, let's just not say, let's not, let's not lie to them and say that, well, this, this medication's the answer. Because first of all, I don't care what study you tell me about with these drugs, just because you lower somebody's glucose and they might not have diabetes anymore, if they're still 150 pounds overweight, they've got all kinds of metabolic dysfunction. Yeah. And I don't care what study you you quote me, their life is not going to be better or longer, period. Mm-hmm. That, that's just common sense. Yeah. Well, you know, and Javier and I both are agree in capitalism. I believe we've never quite gone all the way down that rabbit hole, but we seem to be simpatico on things, but ethical capitalism. You've you've got to have morals in what you do. You've got to carry your your belief system into what you do in business. You can't just say, oh, whatever, you know? And and guess what? In a free market, morals work. Ethics work. 
Yeah. We don't have a free market that's controlled by a third party, i.e. insurance companies, i.e. the federal government. Mm -hmm. Then what happens is the FDA puts their stamp of approval on a drug. Millions of people across the nation, they don't do their own research. Mm -mm. They say, well, the FDA stamped it. It's got to be good. In a true free market, and, and the drug company can put poisons out there, literally, and they can hide behind the safety of the FDA. In a true free market where, you know, it would be individuals would be choosing, you'd ask neighbor Joe, hey, neighbor Joe, you know, I got this thing going on. What drug did you use? Oh, I use this drug and it worked great. Um, or it didn't work great. So instead of a million people all of a sudden taking a drug that causes horrible side effects, if there's a bad drug on the market, only a few people are going to get sick. Yep. And then they're going to go and, and talk about ethics. So like at our pharmacy, we don't build any insurance. We are a cash-only pharmacy. And you know, we take credit cards and stuff like that. We don't build insurance. Why? You got to be ethical. I got to look the patient in the eye and say, that'll be $105. Right. I don't say that's $2,000. And say, well, somebody else is paying the bill. It's okay. No, I got to mm -hmm. look at them. And if I don't give them good quality, I don't give them good service. I don't give them good value. I don't give them a good product. I go out of business and mm -hmm. they don't like me. They talk bad about me. Mm -hmm. That's what happens in a free market. That's ethical. When you have a third party involved or the federal government involved, essentially, then, then it's not going to be ethical because people are going to overcharge for healthcare. Why mm -hmm. is healthcare expensive? Because somebody else is paying the bill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, all, if the individual paid the bill, the prices would, would go down overnight. I use a good example of car insurance. What if employers or the government paid for car insurance? Do you know how many cars would get wrecked? Oh, all the time. <laughs> and, and people would go and they say, you know what? I don't want to put new tires in my car. My insurance should cover this. I should have to pay for gas in my car. My insurance should cover this. That's exactly what happens. I have a good video on my YouTube site, the Moses Lake Professional Farms YouTube site, about that analogy. And, and it's just totally true. And some people say, well, you know, you can't compare auto and you can't compare, you know, car insurance to, to health insurance because, you know, without health care, you'll die. Well, without food, you'll die too. But that doesn't mean we don't have free markets and food. I mean, you know, yeah. find out what they want to pay. Do they want to, do they want a hundred dollar steak meal? Do they want a five dollar McDonald's? Um, or do they want to do fresh food? Fresh food at the at the farmers market. We've got a free market in healthcare. We really don't. No, and and with the th uh, the third leading cause of death in the United States is like up there medical error and pharmaceutical drugs. So really, will you die without traditional healthcare, or might you live longer if you if you don't have free drugs and and whatever, and you have to go find something. Human beings do just do not behave well in the absence of responsibility or when you don't pay for something. I mean, that's why you got to raise your kids. No, you, you know, you just don't give them an allowance. They got to have tasks. They have to perform okay. because when you earn something, it, 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 it builds something inside of you. You treasure it. You trust it. And you want to take care of it. If you had to work hard to get something, you're going to take care of it. But if somebody else is paying for it, who cares, right? And they want us to go to a renter society when we own nothing, we'll be happy. Everything is going to be trashed. Yep. If, you, if you don't care, I don't own it, whatever government yep. owns it, you're just going to trash it. <laughs> One of the things that sets us apart as a society is private property rights. Yeah. And, and part of that private property rights is our own individual body. Yeah. And what we put in that is, 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 is one of the things that is our right. Now, when all of a sudden that right is taken away from us because of illegal mandates 
or because of something that somebody says is good for us and yeah. we're not going to pay anything and we have no skin in the game, then, you know, we're going to make, we're going to make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just like in my book, what uh, my wife wrote that forward about that patient, yeah. if that patient had to spend, you know, five, $6,000 on her medications per month, she probably didn't have it. Do you think she would change your lifestyle? Hell yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or not. Or not. Or, or and, not. And, and instead of suffering the slow consequences over time, she would suffer the immediate consequences. You know, um, whereas you could argue that putting her on medications to, you know, possibly, you know, prolong her life with a bunch of side effects really is prolonging the problem. You're enabling the problem. You could, you could really argue that. Now, now people think that I don't love people because I say things like that. No, I mm-hmm. do love people. That's why I say things like that. You know, obesity, talk about number one killer in America. Obesity is the number one killer in America. Yes. I talk about obesity-related disease, not because I, 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 I hate fat people or I want to shame them. I love them just like I do all people. And I want to make sure that they know that, mm-hmm. you know, that is the most dangerous thing you can do as an American is to be overweight. More people die from cardiovascular related disease related to obesity than any other thing in the nation. So that's why I yeah. want to educate and empower people to take charge of their own health so they don't need to rely on the system. And you know what? You might get in a car wreck. You might mm-hmm. have a heart attack. And, and um, you know, we want the system to save us. But largely right. if you can stay away from the system you're going to be healthier i mean COVID is a perfect example i mean people died in the hospital they didn't yeah. die well i mean I, i'm just saying yeah. you know and i think one of the good things that happened with COVID is it, it exposed the system oh, i used yeah. to be crazy all the time and now people are like wow sean you were right mm-hmm. it's like yeah hospitals are evil and whether they're public private nonprofit, for profit if they're accepting government funds and most of them do they're evil because they are being controlled by evil government, which inherently government is evil. Well, I still remember. I still remember like 15 years ago, there was a panel in Washington state. Christine Gregoire assembled it and they were recommending, you know what? Do you want to reduce health insurance costs? Have people buy catastrophic life insurance for the really bad stuff and then create health savings accounts where the people bank money and pay for it up front. I still remember that 15 years ago mm-hmm. and nothing happened because it made too much sense. Well, and let's face it, who makes the most money off the Affordable Care Act? Insurance oh. companies made out like bandits. Oh yeah, They lobbied to get it passed because basically what happened with the Affordable Care Act is like what happens when government gets involved is you know two or three big players like Big Pharma with the FDA, two or three big players are the only ones that can meet the regulations. So all of a sudden, instead of having having more of a free market to choose what kind of health plans you can have, there's only two in Washington State. And I think that's true now. Because so the condition went down. So guess what? They can charge whatever they want. Yep. Sean, what do you think about the health share plans that are out there? That's a a great idea. So so I, I do like health shares. And, and here's another thing I really um, – so Health Sharing Ministries is one of the six fixes in my in my book. Okay. Um, I, I, I do not think – I think the traditional health insurance is a scam and it's a ripoff. I, I totally do. I think ultimately consumer needs to be, be in charge of their own funds. So like my wife and I, we have um, Christian – uh, ministries. Um, we've had Samaritan Ministries, Christian Healthcare. We've had Samaritan Ministries before, 
um, because they operate more of a free, those, those health shares operate more of a free market. You've got a lot more options. Samaritan Ministries, when we were paying for them, we were paying about 500 bucks a month for our whole family and they were going to raise the rate. So my twin brother had Christian healthcare. He goes, oh, Sean, I pay $135 a month for my whole family. He goes, but, you know, one of the things is, is I don't have OB coverage, maternity coverage. Well, I, I don't need maternity coverage, mm-hmm. you know? And so we have Christian healthcare. We pay $170 a month now for my wife and I. We get to decide where we go to the hospital. We get to decide what doctor we go to. We can decide what things are covered and what aren't covered. We don't have prescription drug coverage. We think it's a waste of money. Um, we don't have dental coverage. We don't have eye coverage. If I need glasses, I, I go pay for glasses. If I need dental, dental work, I go pay for dental work. And guess what? And then I go into those doctors and I say, hey, can you give me a discount? I'm a cash pay patient. No, I can't. Okay, I'll go find somebody else. There you go. Yeah. And, and you, you shop like you do for anything else, hotel, yeah. car. You don't just go in and act. You know, it's silly that we go into a health facility. And, well, what's the price? Well, we don't really know. You know, it, it depends on how we code it. And, you know, it's complicated. Well, a new car is a complicated piece of machinery. But if I go yeah. down and buy one, they know exactly what it's going to cost. And if I want to add an extra key, they'll say, well, that's an extra $80. They know. So don't give me this. Don't hide behind this. And it's complicated. You know, that's the way that healthcare people that are that are building the system, they hide behind non-transparency and they like surprises. They send you a surprise bill six months later. Imagine if we did that in a hotel. Yeah. Oh, we'll send you a bill. We, we wouldn't accept that. No. We would right. not accept it whatsoever. Yeah. And, and the other thing they'll do is I remember overhearing it. It was waiting to actually hand out flyers at a, at a clinic once. And they uh, somebody wanted to be seen on two for two different health reasons and they said no you can't do those in the same visit because we can't code it together so you have to make two separate appointments because otherwise they wouldn't be able to bill for both yeah you know and and they were just basically the i can't remember what the things were but they were basically just something really a doctor could just look at it answer the question done i mean we're talking like 10 15 second solutions here but they had to bill separate so they had to have separate appointments it was just yeah it was just absurd and here's my opinion and if you look at my book i'm i'm taking a quote from keith smith so Mm -hmm. doctors or my colleagues as pharmacists that are in that system and they are under those rules they are accessories to the crime yes Mm -hmm. they they just are and if you look at the quote of my book um Keith, keith smith says that when he was in the system you know he's the founder of the surgery center of oklahoma the first cash-only surgery center out of Oklahoma. People flying from all over the world to have surgery there. They're one-tenth the price of what a hospital is. So $40,000 at a hospital, $4,000 at him. And no prioritization, no surprises. Everything's covered. Transparent pricing. He posted on the internet. I mean, look it up. Surgery Center of Oklahoma. It's incredible. He opened his cash surgery center about the time that we opened our cash pharmacy park. And, um, you know, so he got out of it because he felt like ancestry of the crime. And, and I just call people out on it. Yeah. So if you're a doctor and you're in a system and you were trying to take care of a patient and you were told by management, whoever that is, no, you can only do one thing at a time. You are an accessory to the crime. Now, yeah. here's a beautiful thing. One of the fixes in my system, six-step system, is doctors and healthcare professionals, they've got to get out of the system. Stop playing the insurance game. Mm. Stop it. Stop mm-hmm. taking their money and they can't control you. Mm-hmm. And then – you know, we have what's called direct primary care doctors, and there's a lot of specialists that have followed that that pay model, too, where, you know, their fee for service may be a monthly membership, depending on what kind of practice they have. 
and they don't take any insurance. And I mean, you'll hear these stories of these DPC doctors, you know, they'll see five kids from a family in one, in, in, in one 20 minute visit. And they'll have, you know, the mom will have seven different problems. And imagine, imagine if you were a mom with five kids, taking them to the doctor is a big deal. You don't want to do it at five different appointments, mm-hmm. but that's what happens in the regular system. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. And I give examples and I, and I tell patients all the time, here's a great example. You are better off paying cash for most services. Yes. I'll tell a story. Yes. I'll tell a story. Imaging is the worst. Well, MRIs are expensive. Sure. They're expensive when you go through insurance. But if you, if you, you know, insurance MRI, $5,000, you wait eight weeks to get prioritization. They may or may not cover it. Your copay ends up being $3,000 or you find an imaging place that takes cash. You give them 500 bucks and you go in the next day. Yeah. You pick. I mean, and, and we see it all the time. And then they'll say, well, gosh, Sean, you were right. I ended up paying $2,000 for that MRI. And you're saying, and I could have got one for 500, but would have paid cash. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting, what amazes me most is that, you know, the cost associated with get, having people code and get money from insurance, the overhead is so high, it's insane. And at the same time, uh, you know, if you actually had a, an HSA system, instead of actually paying insurance, you would actually be growing a health savings account that you can rely on for mm-hmm. emergencies, for any sort of use. And you know what? That is a direct uh, reward for taking care of yourself. For sure. And let me tell you another story uh, kind of on that same note about the billing people. So I, I talk about the story in my book um, when my my oldest, oldest son broke his wrist and we had the health sharing ministry. I go into the ER slash urgent care. And and and, the, and it's the same doctor in the urgent care versus the ER. It's just a it, it's just a joke how they code it. Right. And I made it. And you know, the the equipment's the same. It's all the same. It's just how they code it. So I said, look, I don't want to be paying for an ER visit. I want to be paying for an e- urgent care visit. Okay. And I said, um, I don't have any insurance. And and so, um, what's the price going to be? The, the first thing they said was, well, I'm sorry you don't have any insurance. Um, you know, you want to sign up for Medicaid? She should be ashamed of herself. Yeah. I get it. She's just taking orders. But when you treat people like that, you, that, that, that is, that is um, completely wrong. You, are, you have no idea who, who that person is in front of you. And I said, no, I've got something better. I'm, I've got cash. I'm going to pay you today. <laughs> and she says, oh, well, we don't know what the cost is going to be today. And I'm like, okay. And it wasn't her. It's not her fault. I get it. Mm-hmm. not her fault. Anyway, when I got the bill later on, I was talking to her boss's boss or whatever about pricing and trying to get discounts and stuff. And I said, you know, I know with this bill, if you build Medicare, you'd only get 30 cents on the dollar, right? I said, so why don't you just stop messing around? Give me the 30 cents – you know, take 70 cents, 70% off my bill and I'll pay you cash today. She goes, well, I just can't do that. And then she's, I said, you know, better yet, why don't you just stop messing around with these insurance companies and, and then you could just, just pay people a fair price, charge people a fair price for everything. And you don't have to dot your I's, you don't have to cross your T's. Somebody's not going to take the money away six months from now. And she says, I'd be out of a job. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bingo. Bingo. Way right. more than 50% of the people in healthcare now are not in a clinical setting. Yeah. They're there because of the insurance system. And you know what? They've got skin in the game. They want to keep that. Yeah. That's the problem. But here, that's why it's it's hard to change the system. 
So in order to change the system, you got to get out of the system. Yeah. Get out of the system. Don't play their games. Don't play Go their somewhere games. Else. And then all of a sudden, there'll be more of those people that are only that are not billing insurance because they've got a line of people behind them that, that, that are waiting, which which we do. We work with people all we work doctors all over the nation that that don't take insurance and 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 they're busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there, there's going to be an, there is already an exodus out of the system. I mean, I suppose it's good that it's not, I would like to see it speed up, of course, but I can't, if this happened overnight, I mean, there'd be a lot of people out of work. I can't imagine the slam to the economy. I mean, the whole medical industry is probably one of the top uh, employers. If you put it all together, I don't know how many people are True, working. But I'll, in the- but I'll tell you this, Bernadette, I mean, I'm hiring three people right now. There you, you know, go. See, right. I'd, so I'd love for people to leave the system that are there in healthcare because I want to hire them. Yeah. Okay. But, that's- me, I know. I know a lot of providers, and you know, whether it be medical providers or pharmacists or nurses or doctors that are looking for staff, and they don't bill insurance. Right. So, so it it'll grow. It'll like the more who leave, the yeah. more work will jet be generated to to fill that, and then it would just. Whew, It'll just be transformed. I just see I have all these transformative just images in my head. It's so exciting. I can't wait to read your book. I'm sorry I didn't read it in advance. I, I pulled you onto the show at the you know last minute this week, so I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Very excited. So you you're already presenting very exciting solutions. They're exciting to me because they're so doable. Right now, in this moment, every individual, one at a time, choose a different insurance. If you're employed, you know, in the industry, begin taking steps to get out of it. Follow people like you and others who are independent. See what they did. You know, other people, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. They've there. Right. Other people have already been brave and, and doing that. It's very exciting. Um, so what else? What else uh, do you provide in that book of yours? Well, I, I, one of the other things is, too, is that. You know, I, I am not a fan of employers paying for health insurance. Right. Um, you know, there again, then the employee has no skin in the game. Now, now they do because they don't. Most employees don't realize how much it costs them. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, what I am trying to teach employees is that you know, and, and my youngest son, he's in the process of doing this right now. He's twenty-one years old. Now it works. It, it, it's going to have to start working in smaller companies before it's going to work at huge companies. But go negotiate with your employer and say this, look, I don't like that health insurance you pay for me. First of all, do you really want an employer deciding what kind of health insurance is best for you? The answer is no, because that employer does not necessarily have your best health in mind because they don't know you. And the insurance company definitely does not have your best health in mind. Okay, so you should go pay. You should go buy something on the open market. Negotiate with your employer. Hey. That fifteen hundred bucks a month you're spending on that worthless health insurance for me, um, I suggest you save five hundred bucks a month and you give me a thousand dollars extra a month, and then I'll go decide what kind of health insurance I need. Seriously, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because and if you don't, you look at the history of employer sponsored insurance. As you can imagine, my book name sickened how the government ruined healthcare. The government started it all. Yeah. So in the nineteen forties, our wonderful president um, FDR. Um, he, uh, he made a wage freeze during World War II because wages were going to go crazy because we were building bombs and tanks and, you know, everything else, um, for the war effort. So he said, okay, 
here's XYZ job. This is the maximum amount of money you can pay. So, of course, Ford and General Motors, they were booming and they needed employees. Well, Ford couldn't go to General Motors and say, you know, I know I know, I, I, I can't pay you a dollar extra a week or whatever the wage was. I can't pay you anymore, but I can give you hospital insurance. If you have a baby, if you have appendicitis, you go to the hospital, we'll pay for it. No questions asked, right? Fast forward, you know, 70 years later, now what do we have? You know, it's not just catastrophic stuff. Employers pay for everything and, and, and consumers have, have have demanded more and more and then they wonder why their premiums go up. But ultimately, consumers did not ask for hospital or health insurance. The government is the one that caused it to happen because mm -hmm. there was a freeze on wages. Wow. Now, yeah. question though, isn't there some federal law that would have to eventually be overturned that says if you're an employer of a certain size, you're required to provide insurance? I'm, wonder I'm wondering if that provision of insurance could include you provide the money to the individual to get their own. Th that is a good question. Um, now, here's, here's one of the, here's, here's what I do know, and I don't know about the employer size. But here's what I do know that, you know, under the Affordable Care Act, um, there there's a stipulation that everybody has to have health insurance. Mm -hmm. but health sharing ministries do qualify. Yes. So like when we fill out our tax form every year, we tell them that we have one, mm -hmm. which I think is another it's none of the government's business, in my opinion. I, right. I think it's just. Right. But um, so I would assume, but I don't know for sure, Bernadette, that that would qualify for larger employers also. But definitely. If it doesn't, we need to, well, we need to repeal it. Yeah. Here's my opinion. And this is my strong opinion. Will it happen in my lifetime? I really don't know. But, um, you know, the Affordable Care Act, in my book, I go way back to Social Security and Social Security. Because once Social Security passed, that's the only thing that allowed Medicare to pass in 1964, which just made sky healthcare prices skyrocket. Mm. And then... Uh, Obamacare or Affordable Care Act piggybacked off Medicare um, in 2010. If Social Security would have never passed, there's no way Medicare or Obamacare would have ever passed. So here's my strong opinion. I still believe, and you know, help me out if you find it, but there is nowhere in the United States Constitution that it says the federal government should pay, can or should pay for our health care. There is nowhere it says that they should pay for our retirement. Um, mm -hmm. I totally believe that those two programs, Social Security and Medicare, are unconstitutional. I think they ought to be. There ought to be a constitutional amendment to to um, to uh, repeal them. Um, and and if you want healthcare prices to go down, that's what we do. Um, will people die in the street? Absolutely not. Were people dying in the street in nineteen fifties? No. You could argue that more people die now because of government insurance, government healthcare, than um, would if there was free market solutions. Um, Look at what's happened with uh, charity hospitals. Um, you know, the Catholic hospitals, the Lutheran hospitals, they're controlled by the federal government now. Because that's where their payments come from. Look at what mm -hmm. they did during COVID. Um, look at what they do with their birth control options. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it goes against their faith, but they do it anyway because the government yeah. tells them to. So right. 50 years ago, they gave out free medical care. And, and, and there were no strings attached, except they got to do it their way. And they probably mm -hmm. got to do this to you or preach to you, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Now they can't do that. Legally, they can't even do that because the federal government tells them you can't do that because it's discrimination. Mm -hmm. So money 
has trumped faith in those organizations. Mm. And so if you want to get back to true charity care, get rid of the federal government. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the federal government health care, and there will be charity care. And then it's on the people's terms and the people's giving it terms, not the federal government with strings attached. Excellent. I love it. You are a man of common sense. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you, you keep, it seems like there'd be a little argument. Then you bring it back to historical times if we didn't have it before and everybody was fine. But, you know, we go back in time. In fact, there was a wonderful article in my local newspaper here by the local school superintendent. He's fabulous. And the editor of the newspaper was asking him, what do you see is like the biggest problem today? Uh, what you see in the schools, you know, as far as behavior and everything and what's causing it. And he said, it's a lack of personal responsibility, you know, and that is a massive problem across the board in so many areas of our plush American lives was we're not responsible for paying for this or doing for that. And there's always something, you know, there. And um, we used to be, you'd wake up more concerned of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I don't go to work today? Right. There's nothing to fall back on. So I better get my lazy so-and-so out of bed and go, right? right? And, you know, we, as humans, you know, we we don't want people to suffer. And yet the human condition and what motivates us as humans, we need to be needed. We need our work to be necessary. And I think a lot of young people don't feel necessary in the world today. Everything seems like busy work. Yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, I I blame almost everything on the federal government. (laughs) I mean, mean, for one thing, when when you got the federal government um, playing patriarch, and, 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 you know, people can live off welfare. People can live off unemployment. People can live off, you know, all these government programs. Why should the people feel needed? I mean, seriously. And, and really what, what they've done is they've created slaves. They've created slaves with those programs. And then people, they don't have their self-worth. And that's no. why I, I, I never, yeah. I never. Another reason I don't take government funds anymore. I don't want them to have something over me. I don't want mm-hmm. them to be able to control me. I want to be able to control my own destiny. And so does my wife. And we mm-hmm. don't want the federal government to be able to do that. Now, when you accept those any of those programs, all of a sudden the federal government is telling you what you're worth. They're the ones that decide. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and and going back to Social Security, you know, you can argue all you want. The federal government said that they, you know they wanted to do it to take care of elderly people. That that's a crock. That's a crock because the first person that drew Social Security. You know, when they made this, the retirement, the retirement age, which I don't believe in that word at all. That's a totally government word, made up word. Do your own research. That word is a little over 100 years old. The progressives in the Europe started in the 1890s. And then our federal government kind of went on the bandwagon retirement. You know, people generations ago, they didn't retire. They retired mm-hmm. when they died. You know, my, my wife tells stories that, you know, she grew up in an agriculture community in North Dakota. She's got uncles that still farm in their 90s. They, they stop farming when they die. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, they're still driving combine. They're still running cattle, riding horses at 90. You know, well, yeah. Government made this age 65. And if you look, the average man lived to be like 53 or 58. I write about it in my book. I don't remember the number. Did the federal government ever want to really pay pay money to anybody? Seriously. Oh, they started it at 65, but now they're living longer and having to pay out. That's exactly. funny. <laughs> and, then, and then like 
you know, as if there's some kind of fund that they're they're stealing my money right now and putting it in a it, it, put it in a safety account for me when I retire. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, yeah. they, they, they squander it as they, you know, they squander yeah. every bit of it. And, and, and that's, that just has to stop. We, we have to teach self-worth to yes. individuals that they can create their own destiny and, and don't live off government programs, whether yeah. it be in healthcare, whether it be, whether it be individually, don't, don't live off government programs. Cause that, that is going to demoralize you, which is exactly what yes. they want. Yeah. And, yes. and the- they'll vote for those politicians too. Yeah. And the, the flip side of that is not only is it demoralizing to you, but you as an individual, you see somebody suffering that needs help. And you just think, well, the government will take care of them. And it, it undermines your own sense of helping your own brother out, helping your neighbor out. And, you know, one of the things I love about my little community here in East Tennessee is there is amazing sense of community. You know, somebody's having trouble. People get together to figure out how are we going to help this situation? How are we going to help that family? How am I going to help that neighbor? And that's what we need to return to. That feels so good to build that that community. But when you just think, oh, just go down the road and, you know, and get this free this and free that, then. Well, here's a good example. Um, You know, I'll use Oprah Winfrey as an example. Does Oprah Winfrey use her money to build schools in, in the United States? No, she does it in other countries. Why should she build them in the United States? The, yeah, federal, we've got some- the federal and state government builds them. So why should she do it here? Yeah. Seriously. You know, and, and no matter what you think over Winfrey, that that's just a fact. She doesn't build them here because somebody else is doing it for them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe if the federal government steps back from healthcare or anything, individuals will pick up the pieces yeah. and do a better job. And yeah. I even, I even think some churches are guilty. You know, churches will say, you know, churches used to just like I gave the example of Catholic hospitals and, and Lutheran hospitals. You know, they used to start these out of charity and they would give charity care. Well, even local churches will, you know, when they, you know, when somebody comes in, they say, well, you know, I don't have money for a house or my rent this month or whatever. They'll say, well, go down, go down and sign up for, for, for welfare and they'll give you food stamps. It's like, no, no, as churches, that's not what we should do. I mean, we, we could say, okay, you know, Sally Joe needs help. What are we going to do to help her? Mm-hmm. We, we should not send them to a government program at all. Yeah, it, it it's really it's really hard for for us to do to walk away from what we perceive as it's not free. It's strings and it's our own money ultimately. Right now, it's China's money, but <laughs> um, right. So, but we do need this transformation to happen, and I see it happen in pockets of the United States that people are really understanding. One of my favorite sayings is that we threw out the baby with the bathwater. And so much of, of what's wrong in this nation, it wasn't intentionally put in place wrong. Some was, but a lot of it was just trying to make life easier, right? And we didn't really realize intrinsically why we needed to just step up and be better human beings rather than make it easier. Um, on ourselves, convenient. We've sold our soul for convenience, um, and I'm I'm guilty in many areas myself. I'm trying to be better in that um, in that realm. Looks like we we got maybe uh, six and a half minutes to go or so. So um, let's look at your your book here again. It's called Sickened: um, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. I think How to Fix It and Second Edition make that big. 
It doesn't pop yeah. enough by yeah. Sean yeah. Needham, um, compounding pharmacist he is. And one of my notes uh, that I wanted to ask you about here, um, a, a couple of things. For the past 20 years, I think at least I've been aware of it, there's been a lot of attack on compounding pharmacists. The regular pharmaceutical industry does not like compounders, and they've got a lot of lobbyists trying to shut down compounders. What's the status going on there? Is it things pretty calm right now or what? No. No? <laughs> okay. You know, I, and I, I kind of make a joke. There's a joke in our industry. It's like, you know, pharma has 99, big pharma has 99% of the business. We have 1% as compounders. 99% is not enough for them. Yeah, are one percent. I mean, and, and it's serious. And you know, I could I could use example after example of things that that we've been making up for years. Yeah, I'll give a good example. Um, Interosa. It's a it's a, a suppository that women use when they get older, um, and we've been making up a cream like it for for years. It came out a few years ago because they realized compound pharmacists were making money on it. And they used to poo-poo us all the time. And the FDA would poo-poo us all the time about this DHEA stuff is, you know, not FDA approved and it's bad stuff. Well, next thing you know, Big Pharma has a product like it, you know. Yeah. Or surprise. Big yeah. Big Pharma's product is $300 a month. Ours is, you know, 90 bucks for a three-month supply. I mean, you know. Um, and so they don't like us having any piece of the pie. So they try to do mm -hmm. anything they can um, mm -hmm. to stop that. Mm -hmm. And they use all these kind of fancy words like unregulated and not FDA approved. And, you know, of course, we're pharmacists. We're regulated by the state boards. And now we're licensed, for God's sake. Exactly. Right now. Um, so we are regulated. And of course, now the FDA does have jurisdiction over pharmacies. And they you know, that happened in 2012. There was a big accident back in New England, in, in the New England states. And you can look at that history and. It's really you just you got to question some of the things that happen with some of the regulatory agencies. Mm. I can tell you that. I mean, as tragic as the 56 deaths were, um, I think the FDA was happy it happened so then they could come in and regulate compound pharmacies. And, and then there was a, a, a law passed that after that. And mm. they yet they knew it was happening for years. and They just let it keep happening until something bad happened. You know, so you got to kind of question. I, I mean, now with mm -hmm. what's happening in COVID, do I question? The, what, do, would anybody? Does anybody trust them anymore? No. I mean, no, no. The, the CDC, the NIH, they they do not have our best interest in mind. No. So would they let something like that happen? So they they, they control the industry? Sure. You know, and, and here's what here's I'm, I'm a big believer in. I I as a compound pharmacist, I don't want to make up bad products because if I do, I'm not going to be in business very long. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's, just, right. that's, that's just business 101. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether you have a regulatory agency or not overseeing you, you want your patients, you want your customers to be happy, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, when Jan and I first got into the industry 25 years ago, we kept, there was, there was some monumental cases and that we were, you know, that compound pharmacists were suing the FDA or whatever. And there was a big win and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, once we get that win, it's going to be over. 
Nope. No, it's never over. Your fight against pharma is never over. <laughs> Something else pops up. <laughs> I know. Well, Sean, we got about two more minutes. I can't believe how fast this hour has gone. It's been such a delight talking to you. Any last words here for, for listeners? Um, yeah, I would just say, you know, go check out my book, uh, Sick and How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. One thing that makes my book different, and I, and maybe in the second edition, I will put it up there, How to Fix It. That's mm -hmm. the important part. There's a lot of people that have written books on how our government ruined healthcare and people complain about it and all that. But I really do. I have a six step solution in there. And um, it's very empowering to people because people are in charge. And that's ultimately what has to happen is people yeah. have to be in charge of their own bodies. And we need to fix this problem without the government. Remember, 85% of all healthcare is paid for by some government entity. So how could they fix it if yeah. they ruin it? <laughs> Yeah. If they're paying for all of it all now, how could they yeah. fix it? They can't. The only way they can fix it is get out of it. And and to get out of it and to get rid of those programs right now is very tough. But there's a parallel system that's been created. Use free market solutions. And what I love about this, and it just so marries, it's just like we as individuals can absolutely do this by our individual choices. We just quit feeding the monster. It's as yep. simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah. So everybody here today can begin to fix the system by your choices. So uh, I can't wait to read this book, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It, Sean Needham. And um, yeah, we can do this one doctor at a time, one person at a time, we can get her done. Um, so appreciate having you on the stone. Javier, uh, as always, great spending a couple hours on the radio with you. Looks like we got one more minute here. I'm always a little bit rough at the end of the show with the transition, waiting for that music to, oh, there we go, the music come to save me. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, you have a great weekend. Everybody, thank you for listening to Inform Life Radio, 1150 AM, KKNWCHD TV. We will be back next week with Javier hosting. You don't want to miss that. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.